Welcome to the Reimagined Podcast, a podcast that seeks to reimagine faith and life in the community as we link, learn, and live together. I'm Greg English, along with Brad Hoffman and Brian Dupuis. Today, on episode 99, we talk to Dave Winfrey about kindness and the impact it has on others and ourselves. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. Hello. Hey, oh, hey, hey. Man. That's right. Yes. Quick on the draw today. Yeah, you are. Well, <laughs> but you know. I'm going to tell you why. Yes. The amount of sugar that you have partaken in. <laughs> yes. Because I don't know about you, but like when you, when you hit uh, record, here we go, music came on. Yeah. Like my, my heart's just started thumping. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. the coffee was too strong. Uh-huh. Nah. It is this wonderful <laughs> box of assortments. Yes. That assorted. Are, assorted. Uh, that our, our guest has, has bestowed upon us today, Bear Claw. Eclair cake, <laughs> apple turnover, Danishes. Danishes. Yeah. I mean, fresh box out of a local bakery here. Yeah. Yeah. If this doesn't get you a back on our show, I don't know what does. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, right. for sure. For like, sure. It's, but, I, but I can tell. Adrenaline now is, uh-huh, uh-huh. there's something different between boxed, you make it at home, or yeah. a bakery sugar product. Yeah. The bakery sugar will throw you over. Yeah. Yep. Mm, yeah. Yep. That's true. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, and then you add a... I mean, I poured you a fresh Americano. Yeah. No, I'm like, I'm all jacked, baby. I'm all buzzed up. Yeah. Let's, <laughs> we let's can do this. Shaking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this will so. be an extended version here. We're going to, we got a lot to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, so thankful for this. This is the way every show Absolutely. ought to start. I look Absolutely. forward to a future. Yes. I don't know. We call this a contract. What are we going to do with this? <laughs> yeah. Right. Whatever it is. We got to <laughs> make sure people understand. <clears throat> they go. have an obligation here too. That's right. Yeah. Yes. That's right. Yes. So, there you go. Uh, very, very excited about that. Uh-huh. Hey, um, the other thing I'm excited about is your yeah. t-shirt. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, every now and then we'll talk about, you know, uh, what we wore in for the show or whatever. But yeah. you have a very nice black soft cotton. See, I'm describing this to the listeners. Yes. Thank you. Very pretty, pretty cool, like, font going on in a microphone that looks like the old school microphones that we use here. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. With Prairie Home Companion. Mm. That's right. I, I need That's a right. quick text poll. Does anybody even know about Prairie Home Companion? Yeah, come on. All of, I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure two of our listeners know Prairie Home Companion. Yeah. I mean, one Both of the listeners. Yeah. <laughs> and if you are one of those listeners, we appreciate your support. Please donate today I'm to glad, NPR. I'm glad to support you. You and I are the only one listening. <laughs> yes. So, Brad, do you yeah. know Prairie no, Home? No, no. You do not oh, know Prairie Home Companion? Is that right? No. I thought you were diverse. It was... <laughs> It's the Danish talking. It's the Danish. I'm telling you. I'm hyped, baby. Please, please fill me in on the uh, Prairie Home Companion. Oh, it's a, it's a long, it's not on the air anymore, but it was a long standing radio show. Hmm. Like variety show. Totally miss that. Uh, with uh, different performers. There were, there were little skits, little, that you'd have to, you know, obviously listen to. And, uh, yeah, Garrison Keeler is the host of it. He, uh. He hosted for, oh, I don't know, and, you know He has years, the, ultimate, al- like the ultimate radio voice oh, that yeah, can yeah, go up perfect. and down. And what's neat about it is the three other cast members that are on there, there's no musical instruments. They make all the noises. Like if where they're yeah. talking about there's a mystery going on and you can hear the foot patter in there and somebody starts <laughs> making the... Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's uh, mystical magic. That's interesting. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Kelly, Kelly I and I... just missed something. I, Brian yeah. actually turned, it, turned me on to it years ago. We've been here 13 years together now, yeah. 14. 
and turn me on. And, and Kelly and I used to sit out back in the backyard on a Saturday night. Yeah. And I text him. I'm like, it's prayer home companion time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect. Yeah. It's perfect. Uh, but so well, it's a quiet week. Like, well, we're on. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, um, it's in Minnesota and all that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so how'd you yeah. get the shirt? The whole mid- Midwestern spiel. Um, so actually, I got this shirt for Christmas, but I, I went recently to um, the lovely town of Waynesboro, Virginia. Yeah, Waynesboro. Yeah, I've it's been there. Just a quaint little town that time forgot. Uh, but uh, uh, us fly fishers go to Waynesboro. Yes, yes. Uh, so the Wayne Theater there, there was, he was doing a show there recently, and that was a Christmas gift for me along with this shirt. So we, uh, Penny and I, took a trip to Waynesboro and had dinner and and uh, went to the theater, and we were by far the youngest people in that auditorium. <laughs> uh, by far, not even close. But. Uh, but it was, yeah, it was fantastic. It was a great time. It was like cool. like three hours of storytelling and music. And yeah, it was, See, it was great. Everybody it needs to change the canvas. That was, I mean, that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's definitely so, a canvas change. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. But now you're, now you're updated. <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait a minute. We've brought you up to speed with your generation. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the generation before me, a, I think, maybe before me. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. My parents' generation, maybe. Well, so. what's interesting is on his uh, Facebook page, every Saturday night, they release an episode. From that date, sometime in history, over the last 30 years, you know. Oh, uh, yeah. And uh, you can listen to it. So, yeah. a show happening on February 5th or something, and they'll put it out there on that Saturday at 5 o'clock Central Time, like they used to. Uh, oh, good. So, you can jump on there and, and listen to them. You can catch up. You know what you're doing this Saturday. You know what you're doing this Saturday. Yeah. You know what you're doing this Saturday night. It's not the Prairie Hope Companion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do know what I'm doing Saturday night, but it's not pretty good. So, so, do you have Valentine's all squared away? Oh, absolutely, you get, man. Absolutely. Right. You know, last year we had the ladies on, so yeah. we've really got to come up with something this year. Oh, that's yeah. right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, so we're just heading out down. Yeah, we are for too. For a couple of days. Yeah. Yep. So, it'd be fun. Be nice. Yep. Good, good luck to you and the kids, Brian. Yeah, thank yes. you. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> we, we, we got nothing. We got nothing planned. It's going to be Prairie Home Companion. And, uh, yes. That's a, perfect. A you. nice TV dinner. Yeah. A little Salisbury steak. And, uh, no, I'm just kidding. Perfect. <laughs> Well, we used to eat those. Do you, I remember the slots on TV dinners oh, with that, like you, the apples yeah. yes, and the peas yes, and the carrots yeah. mixture. You always wanted like gravy. the burrito. I was always disappointed with the Salisbury steak. It was, it was never the paper quite stuck right. to the burrito. Yeah, well, that is true. That is true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so well, let's dive into a couple more sweets here and keep this thing going. <laughs> and don't forget about our hundredth anniversary. Bingo. Uh, I've been waiting for you all morning. Yes. Man, yes. I'm, I'm pumped about the 100th episode. 100th anniversary. Yes. 100th anniversary. <laughs> Get along. Uh, no, Have I'm a sorry. Sweet. Yeah. I'm not there yet either. So. It feels like it. Yeah. It feels like it. I was thinking about it. I mean, it's like almost two years we've been friends. Yes. <laughs> That's, that's crazy. At least crazy. on the show. Doing this. Yeah. Doing this. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, 100th episode. 100th episode. And where are we going to be? Yeah. At the local cup here in Mechanicsville, Virginia. It's yep. February 17th, which is a Thursday. Right. Yep. Uh, and we will be there in the afternoon, 530 to 7. 30. 30. Uh-huh. 5.30, 5.30 7.30. 7.30. Yep. Uh, we have the place there. We're doing a live show, and we are inviting uh, your local in town. Please come by the local cup in Mechanicsville, and um, we'll have coffee there. It'll be open for them. Have a seat. Right there on 301, next to uh, Pleasant's Hardware and Food Line. Uh, food line. Yeah. yeah. So uh, yep. if you're here in town and you come by, we'd love to see you. We're excited about and it. And I'll even buy you coffee. Bingo. There you go. There you go. Starts at, The show starts at 545? 
Yes. Yep. And uh, open mic. Run for an hour. Yeah. So if you want to come say something, now's your time. We're going to have karaoke. It's going to be a whole thing. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. So come on and join us Uh, next Thursday, February 17th, 100th episode. Yes. Local Cup. Absolutely. But today, we got a good one too, though. Yes. Uh, I'm excited about it because what I love about our guest today is while he may carry himself quietly, uh, he has a passionate joy about himself, yep, yep. and you get that when you talk to him. Yep. And uh, so uh, we're excited to have Dave Winfrey in the show today. Uh, Dave has been a member of Cool Spring uh, for for uh, quite a while, <laughs> and uh, where he's demonstrated faithful service and care for people. Uh, he mm-hmm. also has uh, been a member of the Gideon since 1993, mm-hmm. and very passionate about uh, the power of the Scripture in people's lives, and be able to communicate that and talk to them about that. And he's also the uh, chairman of the Baptist Student uh, Union Alumni Association of Virginia Commonwealth University, mm-hmm. right here in Richmond, Virginia. So he has an opportunity to continue um, transforming lives uh, at the collegiate setting as well. So, Dave, welcome to the show, and thanks for the sweets. Thank you. It's great to be here. I'm blessed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, we're blessed. I'm, I'm, we're blessed. blessed. I'm looking. <laughs> forward to this for three weeks now. <laughs> uh, that's what we like good. to hear. Yeah. That's right. That's right. That's right. So as we get started today, you know, I just be able to share a little bit um, for people who are familiar with your story. Can you uh, share briefly just a bit about Dave Winfrey? Well, I'm a sinner. I'm mm-hmm. saved by the grace and God's unbelievable grace and I washed in the blood. And uh, I accepted Christ back in December 8th, 1973. And my life changed forever. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people talk about their testimony about when they were converted. My testimony goes from when I was converted till now. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, for me, uh, it, it was a life-changing experience. Um, I was able to help two of my best friends accept the Lord. And man, I tell you, Katie, bar the door. I was mm-hmm. after it. And I have been ever since. In college at VCU, the Baptist Student Union, I established quite a few friends there and we were doing ministry together as I was going to college and that helped me grow tremendously. You know, I really believe as we, you know, we fellowship with folks that we have fellow believers that encourage us, that build us up, that, you know, challenge us to share our faith with folks. And I have certainly had that with the Gideons and other things I've been involved with through the years. And, uh, you know, today I just want to tell folks that this is not about Dave Winfrey. Um, my parents told me a long time ago, don't break your arm by patting yourself on the back. And I want to make sure that everybody understands that greater is he that is in me than me. And I want mm-hmm. to diminish and let him take all the glory for everything that we're going to talk about today, because mm-hmm. it really is him. I call them divine appointments. And some of the things I'll talk about really are divine appointments. Maybe this is a divine appointment. Mm-hmm. I don't know, understand really why I'm here, but you know, God laid it on my heart to approach Brad three weeks ago to come and volunteer to do this. This may be the only time you've ever had a volunteer, but, you know, I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> we usually were dragging them in. Yeah. So this was a nice, this refreshing change. <laughs> this, is, this is great. This is great. Yeah, it's funny. After after the, I guess it was the first service, I walk up to Gary Baker. I, I'm a fan of his. He's a fan of mine. And he's, David, you could hold a seminar on acts of kindness. I said, mm-hmm. yeah, I probably could. Gary and I have this running joke because I'm, I'm known for helping people on the side of the road. And Gary says, I hope if I'm ever broke down that you're driving by. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, this conversation yeah. does kind of follow up a series, Brad, that uh, we just completed here at Cool Spring on kindness and really talking about the impact that kindness has, not only on others, but also what, you know, really the impact that it has on us as being participants about it. And, um, you know, a couple of things you mentioned about kindness is intentionality, the risk of it. Um, the prompting of it and the appreciation of it are, are things that um, we've talked about in, in the sermon series that was was done. Um, 
So we talked about kindness a lot in the last couple of weeks. Can you give us just um, a simple personal definition for you? Like, what is that kindness? Well, I actually have two definitions. I think one is just acts of our faith. Mm. I think the other one is that, that we share and we serve God and others with the talents that God has given us and the resources that God has given us, that we recognize that. Um, as I was telling you earlier, um, as I go about this, it's the intentionality. Um, God puts people in front of me, and my mom has always accused me of being very observant. I may see things or see things that other people don't see, uh, and it's led to some great things in my, in my past. Um, a lot I can't recall. Hopefully, I can recall some today. But um, I'm excited. I was telling you, Greg, earlier that you know when you go to the gym and you work out, you get that euphoria of working out. I get euphoria by sharing God's love with folks. Mm-hmm. through acts of kindness and stuff like that. And the more that you do that, the more you want to do. Mm. It's like, I can't wait to retire. I just can't <laughs> wait to retire because my job takes me out of town a lot. I would love to be a part of the rec ministry here, other things just to be involved in it. Uh, one of my ultimate goals is to be the Iron Man for the chair team. I started you know, the very beginning of this. And <laughs> I think I'm the only original member left. <laughs> Maybe you guys uh, will present me with a plaque 10 years from now. Yes. I keep teasing the guys on the chair team. You know, when we get to heaven, our job is going to be setting up and taking down chairs. Yeah. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> you're you're going to get a golden chair gift. award. Yeah. 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 We'll put yeah. a plaque on the back of a chair. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Thank you. Yeah. Those are those are two good yeah. definitions. I love the stewardship yeah. piece and just the understanding of what the Spirit of God's doing in us. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, the faith and the fruit. Um yeah, I think that's I think that's that's where part of it begins is understanding what kindness is and what it looks like. Um and how do we demonstrate that? And you've got some like incredible stories. Yeah. Um what are some when you think of um kind kindness acts, big or small? Mm-hmm. Maybe let's start with small, small mm-hmm. acts. Mm-hmm. What is what does that look like in your life as you demonstrate that? And, and, and let me let me let me preface it this way: the reason I ask you the question is not that we're wanting to put you on a pedestal with a spotlight. No, and it. I don't want to be. <clears throat> the The deal is that I know you to be genuine and real and faithful follower. And you made a comment about being observant, and I mean I think that's a spiritual gift almost of of being observant and knowing because you're you're God's showing you where He wants you to speak in. God's showing you where He wants you to work, and so. Mm-hmm. Uh, the idea is is that we're we're wanting to give people an opportunity to to think through what kindness looks like for them mm-hmm. uh, day in and day out. It's not just like this one big thing that we've done, you know, or that kind of deal, you mm-hmm. know. Like when we're talking to Tamara, the forty days, that kind of thing. It's just like or the forty years. It's like this is this is this is a lifestyle. It's mm-hmm. it's how we you know how we're how we're living day in and day out. But share with us just some stories that God's made you aware of, and you've jumped in. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, there's a variety of different things. One of the things I think has been most interesting for me recently is prayer. Mm. And God will prompt me to just call somebody out of the blue. And um, not too long ago, I have a friend from the Baptist Student Union that I've known for a long time, and she went through breast cancer. Uh, During that whole process, I would make a, a point of either calling or texting her every week. And, you know, she was going through a lot. I remember her telling me, she says, I look in the mirror and I don't recognize the person looking back at me. Wow. And she was doing this by herself and uh, and she was out of state. Um, but I, I would take her mind all things because I would tell her of testimonies of things that I was experiencing. And also, you know, just I would share my mom's recipes with her and things just to take her mind off her mm-hmm. her treatments. 
Uh, she's cured. She's been five years cancer-free, and she thanks me. She says, I will never be able to repay you for what you did for me during that process because I was called on on a regular basis and just showed concern. I prayed with her, um, also asked for specific, because I believe in specific prayer. Mm-hmm. I really do. And sometimes it's hard to drag that out of people, so I would just kind of listen, uh, and she would share things with me. But recently, I hadn't heard from her in a while, and I was coming back from, from Deltaville to cut my father-in-law's grass, and I said, you know, I haven't heard from Annette I'm going to just give her a call. And she was sitting in the parking lot of the hospital. She had gotten the COVID shot, and she was really nervous because of you can, her, I guess, immune system with the chemo and stuff is still weakened. And she was having uh, her, her heart rate was elevated and her, bl- her blood pressure, she was, um, was really, really elevated. So what I did was I said, well, can I pray for you right now? And that's what I did. I prayed over the phone while I was driving. And she texted me later, and she said it worked. She said, your prayers were answered. My, my, my blood pressure has come down, and mm. thank you so much for that. But I had another story. I had a sales rep several months ago call me after in the evening, and um, he told me, he says, I, I've been diagnosed with prostate cancer. And I'm listening to him, and, and I didn't know this at the time, but he hadn't slept in two days. Mm. And I said, Mark, can I pray for you right now over the phone? And I did that. He texted me the following morning. He says, I got eight hours of sleep. It's the first time I slept in three days. Mm. And God Mm. healed him. Mm. But, you know, the the testimony of him and what I did, because I'm the general manager of this organization, it spread through my organization like wildfire. You know, there's there's nobody in my organization now that doesn't know that I'm a Christian. And then I've prayed for other folks that I've encountered. They come up to me and said, my husband is suffering with cancer. Um, those kinds of things. So I have prayed with them when I'm, I'm aware of it. One of the things I, I think that's interesting and one of the things I've been intentional about is if, if I'm made aware of something and somebody approaches me in person, uh, I, I call it stop, drop, and roll. I stop what I'm doing. I drop what I'm doing and I roll through a prayer with those folks. Mm-hmm. And one of the interesting things is when you encounter folks like that, the touch, I've, 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 I just, you know, I just want to hold their hands or put my hand on their shoulder. That really means something to people. When you, you know, I, we all have done it. I said, you know, well, I'll pray for you or whatever. And and when I get down the road, I've, you know, I may wake up in the middle of the night and say, oh my goodness, I said I was going to pray for that person, but I didn't do it. Um, I'm intentional now, but when I do it, and I prayed in parking lots, I prayed in the gym for a person. Um, I'll, I'll share that testimony, but it's just wherever I'm at, restaurants or whatever, if somebody if somebody here at church comes up to me and says, hey, I'm really going through a tough time, I will stop and I'll pray for them. Whatever else is going on doesn't matter. What matters is what God has put in front of me and that I take it to him. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Now, and, and I mean, that's powerful because of the, I mean, it's interesting. And I've become more cognizant of that in recent days is the the power not that I'm not but it's like it just it, through certain circumstances recently just the power of prayer and you talk about the touch or the power the fact that you are you're you're expressing interest in their life mm-hmm. and so this isn't just physical but it's spiritual absolutely and so you are and you're communicating that but I do you know and I've I know you you're on the prayer car probably every week I'm I'm like once every couple of weeks I'm on the or three every three right. or four weeks on prayer call but I rarely do I what's interesting is I usually listen to everybody I, I I don't think I've probably prayed maybe once or twice on a prayer call with our with our church when we do that but I love hearing people pray and and you always pray and multiple times as do the people on that call mm-hmm. but it is a powerful to listen to how people are praying for one another. And I mean, that's in some ways, I wish there, 
everybody could jump in and hear that. And well, yeah, I, it's, that. it's tremendous. I mean, I, I'm surprised that more people don't make themselves available because, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things that, I, you know, the COVID thing for me, I've been able to participate in things through Zoom calls that I would have never been able to do physically. Mm-hmm. And for me, having that call um, is just tremendous. I have learned more about prayer in the past year with those folks and how to pray mm-hmm. than I ever did before. But, you know, when we pray in the Spirit, and I say this because people are fearful of what am I going to say? You let the Spirit take over. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's the Spirit equips us to do whatever we want to do. And, and I say sometimes that, you know, God calls people who are equipped, but He also equips the called. Mm-hmm. And so when you feel that call, I don't worry about my surroundings or whatever. Um, I encountered a lady. I was working out because I was going to Guatemala on a mission trip back in 2019. And had I had earphones on and a phone and, and my own world, this lady probably wouldn't have encountered me. But she came up to me and she says, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm trying to get in shape to go on a mission trip. I was one of the older guys there. And I, I didn't want to be the, you know, the, the the end of the line, you know, not Were, were you doing weight, chairs so. in Guatemala? No, well, I take that back. We did do some. We did do some things. No, I'm just kidding. But, Wouldn't uh, that be something? I know. Yeah, I mean, at some point, if you guys want to hear about yeah. the, the two mission trips I made to Guatemala, there's a lot of stories there. But, but the, the key is, is that we engaged in conversation, and uh, she was going through a very difficult time. She was estranged from her husband, uh, had been divorced, and she had two sons that were teenagers that she was very concerned about. So I could tell this was really impacting her. Mm -hmm. So I stopped there in the gym and put my hands on her and prayed. Mm -hmm. And she was just bawling. And and I said to her after the prayer, I said, you know, I've got some Gideon Testaments out of my vehicle. I said, I'll go out and I'll get those. And I want you to give one to each of your sons and give one to your Mm ex-husband. And I only found one. So I drove back home quickly. I said, how long are you going to be here? And so I was able to go back home, get two more and bring them back and give them to her. The interesting part of this story is about three or four months ago, I'm back in the gym and I did not recognize her. She had a mask on and a hat. And she walks up to me and she says, do you remember me? Do you remember me? And she pulled her mask down and I said, oh, yeah. I said, how, how are things going? She says, well, both my sons have accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior. My oldest one is having Bible study in his room at school. And, you know, I, I get sometimes I get um, feedback from folks that I've encountered. Sometimes I don't. This, we're all about planting seeds and, and God provides the word and the light and let it grow. But there have been some things recently that I've come across that God is showing me that your efforts are not in vain. That the things that you're doing are making a difference in people's lives. And so I just rejoiced with her that her two sons were now Christians. And she told me at the time when I prayed with her, she says, David, she says, I have been praying for two years and waiting on God's answer. She said, part of this today is God sent you to me to encourage me to press on. Mm. And that's what mm. I did. Yeah. Mm. So as you had the opportunity to observe people, see people, pray for people, you're, you're out working, you're out and about, you're not living uh, seven days a week in, in a church environment. So you're encountering both believers and non-believers mm-hmm. in this this kindness, uh, passion that you have. Um, as a result, just thinking in terms of, of where people are today, as a result of saying, can I pray for you? How have you seen that response from those people lead to allowing you to continue efforts, not efforts, but continue relationship in their life? Well, I just recently lost my best friend in October, and I had been, I guess you'd say, mentoring him or, or just, you know, we were we were working together. We owned some residential properties, and uh, his name was Keith, and I miss him very much because he was my best friend. But I would pray with him. He he developed a disease called multiple myeloma. He, mm-hmm. he, had, he fought it for five years. But... <laughs> 
Keith approached me one day and he said, David, he says, these treatments, he says, it's, he was a sales rep, commission sales rep. He said, you know, I can't uh, see customers in person. I can't do the things that I want to do. He says, I'm nervous about losing my job. And I said, Keith, don't worry about that. I said, but if it's worrying you, pray about it. And so um, my boss at the time was the CEO of the company. He calls me out of the blue. And he said, how's Keith doing? And, and he says, well, I want to come to Richmond. He lived in, I believe, Atlanta or maybe Orlando. He said, I want to come to Richmond, and I want to take uh, Stephanie and Keith out to dinner to assure them that Keith's job is okay and that he's going to be fine. I didn't even mention that to him. Mm-hmm. He just out of the blue. So later that evening, I'm with Keith, and Keith said, and he was getting ready to tell me, I believe, that he was getting ready to tell me I'm thinking about quitting or I'm going to quit. I said, I put my hand up. I said, let me tell you something. I said, I just got a call from Matt. Uh, I said, Matt wants to meet with you and Stephanie and come to Richmond and reassure you about your job. His jaw dropped open Mm -hmm. because he had just prayed at noontime about that. And I said, well, what time did you pray about this and what your decision was going to be? He said, about 12 o'clock. I said, well, Matt Haliva called me at 12.05. Yeah. So, you know, the immediacy of that. And and one of the things, Brad, you talk about the prayer team. I, I have been encouraged. There are a lot of folks that are on that call that I would say are shut-ins mm-hmm. or they don't get out that mm-hmm. much. But what I'm trying to do is share with them things that I'm experiencing. And I think it's been a tremendous encouragement to those folks about how God is answering prayer and things that he's doing. Yeah. Um, years ago, I was called by a women's group over in uh, New Highland Baptist Church. They were going into a nursing home uh, and they wanted me to bring some Bibles. Um, you know, sometimes things just kind of morph out. You just kind of follow where the Lord is leading you. Um, when I started doing that, there were ladies there and they, they kept coming to me and said, you, you got to go pray with this person, pray with this person, pray with this person. And I was praying over healing and a lot of things. I encountered this woman in a wheelchair and she was crying and she said, uh, you know, I, I'm of no use to my family. I, I can't do much anymore. I'm, I'm just, you know, and so I immediately what popped into my mind, I said, you can do something that's more powerful than anything is pray. I said, you can pray and encourage your family, things that you do. And I had prayer with her. She was crying. You know, the interesting thing is when I ask to pray with people, I have never been refused. If I say, can I pray with you? I have never been refused. Whether I'm praying with somebody over the phone or in person, nobody has ever told me, don't do it. Don't do this. I don't want you to, whatever. I mean, it's been truly amazing. And most people cry. The other story with Keith is we were working on the house one day and the guy across the street, I didn't know this at the time, but his wife was going through brain cancer. And so I waved to him as he was coming in, his wife was coming in and he just didn't acknowledge. And I said, that's really bizarre. So I told Keith, I said, I'm going to go over and talk to him. And Keith followed me. And uh, this guy, David, was sharing with us that his wife was terminally ill, that she was going to have hospice at brain cancer. So there in his driveway, I said, can we pray with you? And we held hands and he cried. I cried. Keith cried. Mm -hmm. And as we were walking back, Keith says, I have never experienced anything like that. Mm -hmm. Mm. Such a powerful, uh, like you said, a powerful, practical act of kindness is is prayer. And sometimes people will use the phrase, well, I can't do anything except pray. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. wow. wow, you mean that's the best thing that? sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But you mean, you mean the thing that Jesus said, you know, ask and seek and knock and be assured that the Father, the source of all life, hears you. I mean, that's... Mm-hmm. 
that is a that is a powerful step that that anybody can begin to take when it comes. Yeah, to and, and one of the things yeah. I'm, I'm trying to do too, and I don't do this very well, is thank God for the answer prayer mm-hmm. once it mm-hmm. happens, and I, I don't do a very good job of that. You make a statement though about you've never been refused the opportunity to pray. You know, part of that is taking a risk. And saying that, I mean, for mm-hmm. people that aren't used to, they don't normally do that. Like, hey, can I pray with you? You know, mm-hmm. that those few words may be the biggest risk they're going to take all month, you know, right. for the first or second time. And so yeah. it's encouraging people to do that. Yeah. But yeah. Um, now yeah. you, you have some uh, like um, we talked about, you broke it down like from prayer and to financial right. pieces. Yeah. Um, share with us some just some thoughts and some stories. You know, it's it's interesting. Facebook. I don't I don't do a lot on Facebook. I certainly don't post much on my Facebook page, but I'm scanning Facebook for needs. And um you know, there was one several years ago that I saw this guy was selling everything he owned. And I think his wife had some difficulty and they were having some financial difficulties. So I was able to give anonymously to them. I got a very nice note of thanks and all that. But I, there was a lady that I went to high school with that put out an appeal uh, several years ago that her lights had been turned off and her kids either had asthma or something that they needed the power turned back on. And I'm watching her plead throughout the day or a couple of days, you know, can anything, give me $5, whatever. Well, I took it upon myself to call Dominion Virginia Power and pay whatever was due. And I think it was five, $600, whatever it was. I don't remember. But um, the, 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 that act of kindness, it took difficulty. I had to find her address on the Facebook page, which I didn't know really how to nav- navigate Facebook at the time. Um, I, I certainly didn't want to publish that I had done this for her. So I, I found out how to do instant messenger and I sent her a message. But, you know, calling the folks on Dominion Power, that was a process. Uh, I thought I had her address. I didn't know what the account name was. And I was basically telling the lady on their line, I said, I want to pay this bill so they can turn the lights back on. I don't care how much it is. I want it turned on. And so um, when I messaged her, she wanted my phone number. And so she calls me. And in the background, one of her her daughter was crying because they had never experienced anything like that. Somebody took the time to pay the entire bill. I mean, I basically, the first message I sent her is, don't worry about it. And she says, what do you mean? And I said, well, it's been paid. And then, then that dug into other conversations back and forth. I had known that her husband had committed suicide. They were separated, and he had left a su- suicide note blaming his kids as to why he took his life. Mm-hmm. And so the demonstration, I, I, later that year, I, I took some uh, gift cards and things to her. She was in the hospital for the kids to have Christmas. But, but the, the process was that I was able to demonstrate to them that there are some kindness, kind folks out there in the world mm-hmm. that are not like their dad was. Mm-hmm. And so that I'm sure that has meant a lot to them through the years. Yeah. Yeah. To, was that a that. was that a challenge for you to you know, sometimes you think when we think about kindness, we think about the giving pieces and the financial pieces. And, and well, sometimes that's it, a stopgap for I, people. Was hey, that a challenge? Hey, listen, for you? listen, I call it I call it the boomerang blessing. You know, when I was a kid, I had a boomerang that I learned how to throw. And it, it, the higher and the the harder I threw that, the harder it came back at me to the point where I had to duck. <laughs> Can we step outside? So I, I, see I, want to see this I want to see this. So uh, I, I call it a boomerang blessing. Um, you know, Michael Murdoch and um, um, what's his name? Uh, the guy that's always Joel Olstein. I don't agree with a lot of the stuff that they have on on. On, on the air, but I do agree with the blessings you receive as a result of the blessings that you provide. And so for me, the financial part of this is I always receive tenfold whatever I give out. And so and I don't do it for that reason. Right, yeah, right, yeah. But, you know, I tell people that look for the blessing. 
that is coming your way. And it's amazed. I have been blessed in my life. And I've been, interestingly enough, when I was in my teens and early 20s, I was at a church service and the pastor said, one of the ladies there, and I, I don't, they didn't say her name, but she said they, she needs $900 to buy a vehicle because she's a single mom and she needs to be able to get to work. I went home that night and they had an, an evening service and I was bothered all day because I was single. I had a motorcycle, a sports car, other stuff. I wrote a check for $900 and gave it to the church and I said, don't tell them who I am or anything about it. I just want to give this as a gift to these people, whoever mm-hmm. they are. I mean, I've done that for people. I've, I've paid, um, you know, for people to declare bankruptcy. People I've never met. My wife would, and she's not supposed to do this, but her patients come to her in very financial distress sometime, and and she'll come to me and say, "Hey, can you just help these folks out?" So I write it because she's got a different name, so they don't know who it came from. And you know, the the, the ethics of that, I think there's some gray area there, but um, I'm able to do that for for folks. But you know, I have been blessed beyond measure with the career I've had and the ability I've had and finances that I've never had to worry. And and, and as, as my dad usually said, you know, everything that you have is given by God and we should be good stewards of those. And so financial resources, I have tried to be a good steward of what God has given me. Mm-hmm. So you, you mentioned it. I'm curious, um, where does this come from in you? So obviously it's the work of the Holy Spirit uh, right. producing the fruit there. Yeah, but um, did you see this? Was this modeled for it's, you? It's modeled. Uh-huh. I'm modeling it for my kids. My kids, uh-huh. when I stop and help somebody or we're cutting trees down a property we don't own or whatever, my dad, my, my kids are always, dad, don't do that. That's not, people don't even know. You don't need to do that. But, <laughs> but my dad, you know, raised us. We were raised in the church. And um, I remember my, my dad was a very introverted person. He didn't have a lot of conversation with folks. He would help people, but he didn't engage people, uh, not to the degree that I do. But one of the things he did do, and, and was talked about last Sunday, tracks. My dad put tracks out to the thousands. And as a kid, my brother and I um, would go out um, during the week, evenings and things after dad got home from working on the weekends. And dad's goal was to put a tract in every newspaper box in Hanover County. Mm-hmm. And we went all, we went into places I had never been. And and so it, it got to the process. My brother and I, I told my brother, I said, I'm going to put these in mailboxes because we don't go home until these are given out. And if you've got several hundred of them and you don't want to spend, you know, five hours doing this, I was putting them in mailboxes, paper boxes, everything. <laughs> We'd go into industrial complexes. I'm putting them in the mailboxes up in Hanover Industrial Park. But but my dad, um, when he died, I, I took over his pickup truck and he had he had track stuffed in door in his doors uh in the glove box up on the on the uh on the dash and he was putting tracks out on gas pumps he would put them with people that were waiting on him in restaurants um that was just his thing he just put tracks out and he led a, a soul winning class many years ago from what i'm told and he said start with something simple like tracks to express your faith where you really don't have to engage with anybody directly for fear that you know you'll have to have a bible drill or something but put tracks out and put them in conspicuous places where people will come. And I, in my travels, I see them from time to time in elevators and gas pumps and things like that. I never really took up that process. I did a little bit, but I just didn't, I'm, I'm much more of a in your face type person, but, but it's, it's a great ministry. And, and my dad was a member of the track league and he would get these tracks by the hundreds and put them out. I don't know how many he, he put out in the course of his, but dad modeled, he would stop on the side road, help people that were broke down, change tires, stuff like that. He would do things for people. We cut firewood for people that needed it for heating their home during the winter time. Uh, all kinds of things that my dad modeled 
uh, for me. Dad is really the one that got me into the Gideons many years ago. And the funny story about that is he prodded me for years. He said, David, you've been really blessed. He said, you're not afraid to speak in public. You're not, you know, you've been blessed. You need to join the Gideons. And I went to the Gideon meeting and I wrote a check to the Gideons. I said, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make a donation. I'm going to tell them I'm too busy. I got young kids. I can't do this. I can't do that. I'm out of town, traveling, whatever. Um, I get to the meeting and I listen to the folks that are there. And a lot of them were much more senior. And I'd say probably average age was 65 or 70. And every single one of them came up to me and said, David, if I was your age and I had your knees and I had your back and I would just, I wish I had joined this organization when I was your age. The things that you'll be able to do if you join this. Well, the check that I wrote was the exact amount for the membership fee for joining the Gideons. So I joined the Gideons that night. <laughs> by donation. By, by donation. donation. <laughs> so I think that was a God thing. So yeah. it was interesting because I don't check, carry a checkbook. I don't carry cash. And so, you know, having that exact amount and signing that application, then that really started a tremendous ride for me with God. Yeah, really did. So what you're doing, and I think this is, you know, part of my definition for kindness is it's a um, it's a redeeming expression of of care and of goodness in a sense. And so when I think about the redeeming expression that you are speaking into life, in a sense, you're giving life um, in those moments as you are. You talk about praying. And stopping and praying. And if anything, as God leads you in that prayer and as the Holy Spirit interprets those words, you are you're giving hope, you know, and and hope in so many ways, maybe not in a cure, but hope in the fact that there's somebody here with you that's walking and loves you. Yeah. And and the same thing with the financial piece. I yeah. mean, in as you're what you're doing is kindness is a redeeming expression. You are using the skills, the abilities, the resources. It's a steward, and, you know, like we mm-hmm. started out in the conversation. It's this stewardship of what God's placed. And so you're using those in a sense to to give life into moments mm-hmm. um, in people's um, people's journey. Yeah, let me tell you one story where I was blessed is uh, and, and Brad, you're familiar with this. Back in 2019, when I was getting ready to go to Guatemala, my son, who was going to Old Dominion University, got into trouble. Uh, went to a party and, you know, he, he never really fit in with any of the groups, never could really assimilate anywhere. But you know how people accept you they're on the wild side. He was at a party and he passed out, um, I think from alcohol, but also it was somehow he got laced with LSD. Mm-hmm. And so we get a phone call on uh, early Saturday morning that he had been admitted. Um, he woke up and he was combative. They restrained him and then they put him in a straitjacket and took him down to the Petersburg Mental Hospital. And, you know, I, I, this was a week before I was supposed to go to Guatemala and he had a court ordered two week stay there. Mm-hmm. And so Sunday morning, we get a call that he, we can go visit him at two o'clock in the afternoon. So, you know, I remember going to Sunday school and I, I couldn't really think about anything but that. And so um, I walk into the 10 a.m. service and I walk up to Glenn Dunaway and I said, Glenn, I really need you to pray for my son. And Glenn tells me, hey, I've, I've got some problems with 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 my son as well. And the both of us at the same time said, let's go pray. Mm-hmm. So we went upstairs off of the track, and as we're walking out the double doors to the gymnasium, right in front of us is Kevin Egan. Mm-hmm. 
And I told Kevin, follow me. And so <laughs> the three of us. Uh, three amigos. <laughs> That's right. That's right. The three of us go into some variant. We weren't sweating drops of blood, but I tell you what, we were crying. It was, mm-hmm. it was, a, it was a very emotional experience for an hour. I mean, in fact, our family was waiting for us and didn't know where we had gone after the service. So I knew that I was going to have a meeting with my son at 2 o'clock that afternoon. And so we were praying for that encounter. I took a Gideon Testament with me and also the book, um, Jesus was more than a carpenter, but I couldn't take him into the meeting room. And I was there with the psychiatrist and my wife and, you know, I'm listening to my son. He's in a lot of pain. He's embarrassed. You know, the whole gamut of emotions about what had transpired. And I'm thinking, my wife is saying, there's no way you can go to Guatemala. He's, he's going to be here. I need your help, you know, two weeks from now and all that. So I just trusted in God that, you know, this was somehow going to get answered. So um, I, I told him during the basis of that meeting was, you really need Christ. You know, my son knew who Jesus was. He'd gone to Christian school, but he didn't know who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. And so he had never given his heart and life to Christ. So so we leave there. And then I'm up in Gettysburg. I get a phone call at like 630 at night in a hotel on Tuesday night. And I could barely make out what Christopher was telling me. He was crying so much, and he just had reached rock bottom. And so I started going through the Roman road, and I said, you know, Christ can take all this and make you a new creation. And this, he can take all this pain away from you, everything that you're experiencing. Well, he was on a remote battery phone, and um, I went through the plan of salvation, but I, not, I could not lead him in the sinner's prayer because the battery died on the phone. The last thing I think I said to him, and maybe here part of it, is go find a room and get on your knees. And there's a there's a, a, a prayer, a sinner's prayer in the back of the Testament that he received. So he prayed that prayer, and he was a new creation. He 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 was transformed, and it was noticed, it was noticed by the psychiatrist. So they let him go on Friday. I took him out of there Friday afternoon, and I was able to go to my mission trip on Saturday morning. That was a God thing, mm-hmm. and that's because of Kevin Egan and Glenn Dunaway and others that were texting me in this whole process that I received the benefits of that. Mm -hmm. And so those guys were always checking. In fact, the Sunday that I was gone when I said, you've got to go down and and express your public profession. So several of my friends went with Christopher and did that as Christopher walked down and I believe took your your hand Mm -hmm. and, you know, he wanted to follow in baptism, but he was a different person. I mean, it was, I had had problems with him. He has some, some psychological things, but he, he, everybody could notice it. And the other thing that happened to him while he was there, somebody placed him. He was he met an older woman there that I think had desire to check herself in whenever she was encountering some issues. Apparently, she was a Christian and a believer, so the two of them would get together and write spiritual uh, scripture verses on post-its and put them up on the bulletin board there in the facility. And he was texting me, or I don't think he was texting me, but. We had a discussion about that, and I believe God put this woman in his life, and I think they're still communicating today, and encouraged one another through Scripture. Mm-hmm. And had not, not been for that that Gideon Bible and b- the ability to do that and to go through the Roman road and all the stuff, and he was following along with me, that was a joy that I, I think, you know, I've never had a phone-in uh, result <laughs> In, in my past, mm. but he was transformed. And, you know, he's asking me questions about demons, about the devil and his ruler over the world and all this. I mean, he's getting into some deep stuff that, you know, I he's challenging me to, you know, the recesses of my mind to go through some of that. 
and things that I come across. But praise God that he didn't die from that experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, as we pray over our, our children for, for their safety and their providence, that that was an answer to prayer as well. But, you know, Glenn Dunaway and Kevin Egan, I probably will never be able to repay them for mm-hmm. what they did with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think uh, one thing that I noticed in hearing you, even before we started recording, but you just, you're on this adventure, right? You're on this mm-hmm. uh, kindness adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, just a reminder that the Father, Son, and Spirit, they're always at work. Yeah. And there's this invitation, like, join us in this, right? right? Join us. Look what we have next for you. You never know what what today is going to hold right. in that regard. Right. Well, and, and the way I look at it, I mean, we talk about, you know, we accept Christ, but that's not it. You know, the fruits of the Spirit and the blessings associated with serving God. Mm-hmm. I don't think people get it. I really don't. I think a lot of people say, you know, I'm fireproof now. I've accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. I got my ticket to heaven, but that's it. Faith without works is dead. Mm-hmm. And I've always remembered, you know, the scripture about being lukewarm. And, you know, faith without scripture is, is dead. And so for me, I want Christ and God to be proud of what I've done on this short time on earth. As I was telling some guys the other day, if I pick up, and I've picked up a lot of hitchhikers, and some have been kind of sketchy. Um, but, I mean, I, 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 that's I a risk. That, yeah, that's a yeah. risk. That if, if, God, if God calls me home as a result of me picking up a stranger who has a knife or a gun, I would much rather enter into Christ's presence doing a good deed mm-hmm. than, than, you know, whatever that happens. But I picked up a guy one time talking about uh, hitchhikers. Um, I was driving my kids to, to Liberty Christian School, and it was snowing. There was about, I don't know, six or eight inches on the ground. And Liberty didn't close because parents drove their kids to school. I was at West Store, and I see out of the corner of my eye this guy in a gas can walking up to the parking lot with a gas can in his hand. It's probably 20 degrees outside, blowing snow. This guy's in tennis shoes, a light jacket on, no gloves, no hat. I said, I bet you he's out of gas. I didn't see anything on my way in down Old Church Road. So I said, I'm going to look for this guy when I come back. If he's walking back the other direction, I will give him a ride. So uh, sure enough, about a half a mile up the road, I took my kids and uh, I came back and he's about a half a mile up the road. He's walking with his five gallon red gas can in his hand and his hands are frozen. I said, do you need a ride? He said, yeah. He said, my car is out of gas and down the road. We must have drove six or seven miles down the road. And so the encounter and what was surprising to me is I'm sure there were people that passed him on the road on the way to the gas station, but nobody stopped to help him. Mm-hmm. When I got there, he had a pregnant wife in the car and the, the windows were frozen over. There was no heat and she was covered up with his jacket and blankets and a bunch of other stuff. I really wonder if I had not stopped and given him a ride and nobody else gave him a ride, if his wife would have survived that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you think about things sometimes from the physical standpoint of helping somebody. Sure, there were a lot of things I could have been doing and I was busy and everything else, but I stopped and helped that guy. Usually when I give people rides in cars, um, I give them a testament. I've always got testaments in my vehicle. And, you know, they always say to me, why are you doing this? And I said, well, I chose, you know, God is really blessing you today. I said, I want to share something. The price of admission is I gave you this little testament. And I have done that numerous times for folks uh, through the years. And, you know, people offer to give me, and I said, no, I don't want to take anything. Uh, I'm doing this because God loves me and I want to do this for you. And so I have done that. Um, an interesting encounter I had not long ago. BJ's is one of my favorite places to help people. There's always somebody in the dog food aisle or the bottle water aisle, and they're mostly women that need help. 
Mm. And so I'm helping them get their stuff in. Well, I was out in the parking lot not, not long ago, and there were t- two elderly um, uh, African-American women there, and they were struggling. And so I pick up these cases of water, it was two or three cases, and put them in the back seat of their vehicle. And one of the women said to me, you saved us today. And just instantaneously, I said, only Jesus Christ can save you. And you should have seen the expression on their face. They were believers, but they said, praise God. <laughs> so it was, it was really something. Um, but, you know, the, the thing of it is, and the observation part of this, and I had an experience on Tuesday. I went to a body shop over here locally, and there's a little prayer up on the wall. And I gauged this guy in conversation and was asking him about the prayer and stuff like that. There are ways for us to inject Christ into conversation. And I'm amazed at how you can do that with just things that you look around and see. Mm-hmm. I just am. Mm-hmm. I just, and it, it happens to me all the time. It mm-hmm. just does. And like I said, I don't know what I'm going to encounter, um, but other acts of kindness that I do, um, the local hangout for the Hanover deputies are over here at the Chick-fil-A and I have probably five or six or half a dozen times bought their lunch. Mm-hmm. And if I, if they're beside me or behind me, it, it's consternation if they're in front of me and they've already paid that they got a credit and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But I do that for guys just out of act of kindness. I will go through airports and I will pray with guys in the military or I will buy their lunch or whatever. And I do that with the same thing with with emergency responders. If they come across my path, I will pray with those guys. And it means a lot to Mm -hmm. them. Uh, The only the only time several weeks ago I offered a lady that was helping uh, in the water aisle again. And she, she turned, no, thank you. I'm a UPS driver. I don't need any help. <laughs> <laughs> There's always one out there. Yeah, yeah. That's the I mean, only time I've ever been refused to lift a 55-pound bag of dog food or whatever. I mean, I'm hoping these ladies have help at their house when they get there to unload this stuff. I help them get it in their basket and get it in their car, but hopefully they get somebody to help them. I mean, bre- yeah. bre- breakfast was great. Uh, I'm going to go with a grilled chicken sandwich for lunch, yeah. and, and, and I'll, be at, I'll eat at 4 o'clock. <laughs> That's right. So, That's right. Well, Dave, I really appreciate yeah. you yeah. coming on the podcast yeah. today and yeah. just sharing just sharing your journey and your life and your adventure and giving us some practical ways that we can step out and help. But it truly is as a result of what Christ has done in your life. Yeah. You, uh, it, it's obvious. Um, you're in love with Jesus, and that's that's the reason. Yeah. The result of that is kindness, right? Right. Yeah. So, and that that's where it begins. So, thank you so much uh, for being on the podcast today, and thank you for listening. As a reminder, 100th uh, episode, February 17th, we'll be at the local yes. cup. Come join free us. Free coffee. Free coffee there, 5:30 to 7:30 p.m. So, thank you for listening to the Reimagine Podcast. As always, you can follow us on iTunes, Spotify, Overcast. Download any of the episodes and rate them. Check us out on the reimaginecast.com website. For Brad, Brian, I'm Greg. It's pastry time. Thanks for listening to the Reimagine Podcast. (laughs) 